Hello and welcome to Voyage to the Wild, the podcast documenting my journey as I sail around the planet in search of extraordinary wildlife and the remarkable people working to protect it. My name is Charlie Young and I am a marine scientist and your host for this series. And together we are going to venture off the beaten track to explore some of the wildest places on Earth. Coming up in this week's episode... I'm taking a deep dive into the issue of whale ship collisions and investigating how it's endangering one whale species in particular in the rich waters of the Canary Islands. Stepping back onto land after a morning with the pilot whales is a bit of a culture shock. When you walk up the pontoon, you arrive in the epicenter of Las Americas, a mecca of tourism activity on the south coast of the island. Born from a tourist boom in the 70s and 80s, what was once a small fishing village has become a sprawling mess of hotels, high-rise apartments and shopping malls. This mess extends onto the ocean too, and on our way back to land, I saw firsthand how the area becomes a playground for jet skis, paragliding speedboats, and all-inclusive boat tours. When you see the scale of it, it's pretty baffling to think that this is allowed to happen. But as Sedhu explained to me, there is little to no management or regulation of what's actually going on here. And this is just a small problem in comparison to a much bigger issue plaguing these waters. The story begins back in 1999. This was the year that the high-speed fast ferries were first introduced to the Canary Islands. They displaced the much smaller and slower inter-island ferries and were a welcome addition as they helped to improve transport and tourism links between them. But within months of their arrival, reports of cetacean strandings began. Over the last 20 years, the annual frequency of strandings has continued to rise. And as a consequence, the Canary Islands now has one of the highest collision rates in the world. And of those species most affected by this high-speed fleet is the sperm whale. Similarly to pilot whales, sperm whales are animals of extremes. They dive deeper and longer than nearly every other type of whale and dolphin in the world, and spend the majority of their time foraging in the deep, dark ocean. There are around 240 individuals in the Canary Islands, mostly made up of females and juveniles. They live in the waters year-round, and so scientists believe it's an important breeding ground for these whales in the North Atlantic. When you look at the global picture, whale populations are still recovering from commercial whaling, which was banned in 1986. Sperm whales were heavily targeted during two peaks of whaling, in the 1840s and 1960s, and the impact of this industry on these whales was devastating. Their populations plummeted to a fraction of their pre-whaling size, and even though commercial hunting has ceased, in most countries, their populations are only slowly bouncing back. But that's not the case in the Canary Islands. Over the last 20 years, 
more than 80 cetaceans have collided with boats. And in recent years, there has been a significant upturn in collisions, coinciding with the introduction of new routes and an increase in daily sailings. In a recent paper, scientists explored whether the current population of sperm whales could sustain the current frequency of ship strike deaths caused by collisions. And the results were sobering. At the current rate of mortality, the whales are likely being killed faster than they are reproducing. To make matters worse, their research also found that some of the most critical areas used by sperm whales overlap with active shipping lanes, making the likelihood of collisions that much greater. Anchoring for a week outside the port of Los Cristianos, one of the busiest on the south coast of the island, I observed these ferries plowing through the heart of Tenerasca from dawn until dusk. At times the traffic was so bad that there would be ferries lining up to enter port. And as I watched ferry after ferry come and go, a thought occurred to me. There really isn't any respite for the whales. In between the fast ferries and the hum of tourism traffic, it's a continuous bombardment of activity and noise. It was frustrating enough for me as a human, but for cetaceans, creatures that rely so heavily on sound for communication and feeding, I couldn't help but wonder, why are the whales still here? And it got me then asking the question, why don't the whales move out of the way of boats? Diving into the literature, it seems it's more complicated than it first appears. Some scientists believe that whales exposed to high levels of human-caused noise on a daily basis may be becoming habituated to it. On Instagram, I saw a possible example of this. A video posted by a local conservation association shows a fast ferry just narrowly missing a group of pilot whales logging at the surface, just off the south coast of Tenerife. It's a harrowing watch as you contemplate the fate of these dolphins had the ferry steered a few degrees higher. But what was most fascinating about this video is that despite the ferry moving fast and coming within meters of the group, they didn't move an inch. In fact, they didn't react at all. A study on blue whales off the coast of California also found similarly unexpected behavior. When a ship approached the whales, they didn't exhibit evasive diving or avoidance behavior. Instead, they simply sank slowly as the ship approached. Within just a few weeks, one whale in the study had 14 recorded near misses with boats. As well as becoming used to noise, there's the fact that motorized boats are also a very recent emerging threat. Having lived and evolved in boat-free seas for roughly 50 million years, whales likely haven't yet evolved to perceive them as a threat. This coupled with the fact that very few whales survive ship strikes means the chances of them learning to avoid boats is actually very slim. There is also evidence that suggests that large ships mask the sound from their engines, creating a dark spot directly ahead of their bows. This makes it difficult for the animal to identify the source of the sound, and before they can work it out or where it's coming from, it's often already too late. In August 2023, reports flooded in about a sperm whale that was hit by a Fred Olsen Express ferry as it was nearing the capital of Tenerife, Santa Cruz. 
Unlike a lot of collisions, this one was actually witnessed by passengers on board, which included a marine scientist who managed to capture the moment on camera. Studying the photos, you can see the head of a sperm whale upright at the surface of the water. Although it's hard to make out any specific detail, what you can see is a whale surrounded in a pool of its own blood, and by the angle it's holding its head, it's clearly in significant distress. A week later, news reports flooded in that the dead whale had washed up on a beach in Edeje, a bit further south. Post-mortem analysis by experts at the University of Gran Canaria confirmed the whale had indeed died from the impact of the ferry, having had its tail nearly severed off during the impact. Going onto Fred Olson's website, I was interested to see how they market themselves. Interestingly, I found a page titled Environments, and when you click on it, the first thing that appears is a title reading, Caring for the Environment Since 1974. Scrolling down this page, you find a number of headings outlining different areas of their work, and at a collaboration and awareness building, I was interested to see that they do mention collisions. In a very brief paragraph, they claim they are participating in studies on marine fauna in the Canary Islands, and with the help of experts, are reviewing their collision prevention protocols. As there's no real mention, it's unclear exactly what steps they are taking to prevent collisions, and the only evidence of participating in studies that I could find was that they allow the free passage of whale watchers on board their fleet. Unable to find anything else online, I decided to email them, and a week later, I received a reply. As partly expected, their email didn't link to any published reports, papers or evidence to back up their claims, and repeated much of what's on their website. They confirmed that they do have an agreement with the local university and allow the passage of whale watchers on board their vessels. But what was different from the information provided on the website is that they claim to be working on a number of early detection systems. They also mentioned they are creating heat maps of whale hotspots based off their sightings, and training bridge staff as sighters, incorporating standardised dodge manoeuvre systems, warnings and alerts, alongside reducing their overall time spent sailing within Tenerasca, the special area of conservation known to be a cetacean hotspot. However, at no point did they mention reducing the speeds of their ferries, nor avoiding cetacean hotspots altogether. This is ironic because these are the two most important steps that scientists, including those that they claim to work with, have presented to them almost a decade ago. Recent expansions of their fleet also cast into doubt whether they are taking this issue seriously. Both Fred Olsen and their competitor, Navarias Armas, both introduced new high-speed trimarangs to their fleets, which boast speeds of up to 38 knots. That's the equivalent of 70 kilometers per hour. For reference, most whales cruise at just a fraction of this speed. Sperm whales, for example, cruise at around 4 knots, with spurts of up to 20. These new ferries are impossible for any whale or dolphin to swim out of the way of, making them an even deadlier obstacle for these animals to contend with. What seems clear is that Fred Olsen wants to continue on a business-as-usual basis. They do, however, want to be seen to be doing something, and so are taking steps that make it seem like they are but all the steps they are taking don't impact their pockets, 
and will not stop collisions. But whilst it's very easy to point the finger at the fast ferry companies, the local Canarian government is also to blame. Like the fast ferry companies, they were made aware of this issue of collisions over a decade ago. And despite having been challenged by scientists and activists multiple times over it, so far, they have taken no action to address ship strikes within its waters. From all accounts, the government has been provided substantial reports citing numerous scientific studies and containing years of evidence on why fast ferry speeds should be limited and why they should avoid certain areas. But just like the fast ferry companies, they so far have ignored it. Whales play an extremely important role in maintaining the health of the ocean. They are ecosystem engineers, sitting at the top of the food web helping to cycle nutrients and carbon from the light-filled surface to the deepest depths of the ocean. They also act as conveyor belts across entire ocean basins, bringing nutrients from their rich feeding grounds to their deficient breeding grounds, helping oceans to flourish. Their value to us as a species, as we attempt to right our wrongs, cannot be overlooked. Each great whale sequesters the equivalent of 33 tonnes of CO2 on average throughout their lifetime. When these giants sink into the deep ocean, they take this carbon with them, locking it away for millennia deep in ocean sediments. Per year, these whale falls contribute to the sequestration of 62,000 tons of carbon, the equivalent to around 2.8 million trees. As we look for ways to mitigate climate change, we must consider protecting whales as a fundamental part of that. Planet Earth needs a healthy ocean, and a healthy ocean needs whales. No whale death is remotely worth a faster ferry ride between islands. Solutions are within the reach of the fast ferry companies and local government to stop cetacean ship strikes in Canarian waters. Simply reducing the speed of vessels and avoiding whale hotspots could achieve immediate reductions in collision rates and help to preserve one of this archipelago's greatest treasures. But what is lacking here is the political and financial will. Once again, the profits of a few is being put before the health of the planet, and the whales will not be the only ones to suffer the consequences. Ultimately, if we cannot take the steps needed to protect nature, we will become the sorry victims of our own inaction. Areas like the Canary Islands marketed for its richness in nature would disappear, and the loss to the world would be far greater than just the loss of life, but the loss of sentient, charismatic emblems of our seas, indicators of the health of the marine ecosystem, and the regulators of complex systems that bring balance to our planet, and ultimately, creatures that can inspire millions of people around the world to care about our oceans.
that's it for this week. Don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you want to see more of the adventure, you can find me on Instagram. Just follow the link in the description below. And until next time, fair winds and smooth sailing.